Hello again. Welcome to Yoga for Latter-day Saints, a podcast where we discuss ways to improve worship using yoga practice. So happy that you decided to listen in. Last time, we finished discussing sutras numbers 5 through 11 and how thinking patterns affect our ability to understand our true nature and our view of the world. Today, we'll add just a little bit more to that discussion as we move on to the next three sutras and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. The 12th sutra can be translated as the practice of yoga and non-attachment lead to the cessation of fluctuations of the mind. We're going to dive deeper into non-attachment in the next episode, but for now, a quick summary is that non-attachment involves cultivating a sense of detachment and equanimity towards both positive and negative experiences and learning to let go of attachments and desires that can lead to suffering and dissatisfaction. So for now, let's focus on the practice. When we think of yoga practice, it's common to focus on the physical postures, the breathing exercises, or the meditation techniques. However, it's important to remember that practice also encompasses the effort and discipline required to stay on the journey. The true benefits of yoga are not fully realized in one or two classes, but rather through consistent and sustained practice. It requires effort to make time for a regular practice discipline to maintain it, and the ability to overcome obstacles such as fatigue, injury, or competing demands on your time. The 13th Sutra reads, practice is the effort to remain firmly established in one's own true nature. Here, Patanjali emphasizes the importance of consistent effort and practice in yoga. He suggests that by making the effort to remain firmly established in one's own true nature, one can transcend the limitations of the mind and attain a state of inner peace. The phrase one's own true nature refers to the essential nature of the individual, which is said to be the pure consciousness or the self. This is the true essence of the individual that is often obscured by the fluctuations of the mind and the distractions of the material world. Another way to say this would be practice is the effort to put off the natural man. Alma 42.7 and 10 say, Our first parents were cut off both temporally and spiritually from the presence of the Lord, and thus we see they became subjects to follow after their own will. They had become carnal, sensual, and devilish by nature. And Alma 41.11, All men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. They are without God in the world, and they have gone contrary to the nature of God. Therefore, they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. As we have discussed, our brain is wired for our safety to protect our mortal body. It's an amazing organ, but it naturally puts that objective over all others. And as we also discussed, it's also very easily influenced by our experience and thoughts, which can be heavily influenced by our own biases, misunderstandings, and feelings. In other words, we're hardwired to be selfish, to seek out to relive experiences that were enjoyable and avoid experiences that were not. Our base animal instincts are to find safety, food, and shelter, and then to pass our genetic code on, regardless of how that may affect others. But that's not God's plan for us. We are to show that we're something better and that we will not give in to the natural man. 
We are to show that we can be trusted to wield godly powers like free will and procreation appropriately. And the amazing part of all this is that it won't just benefit us in the hereafter, but it'll be a blessing in our mortal lives as well. Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, stubborn selfishness leads otherwise good people to fight over herds, patches of sand, and strippings of milk. All this results from what the Lord calls coveting the drop while neglecting the more weightier matters. Myopic selfishness magnifies a mess of pottage and makes 30 pieces of silver look like a treasure trove. In our intense acquisitiveness, we forget him who once said, what is property unto me? Such is the scope of putting off the burdensome natural man who is naturally selfish. So much of our fatigue, brothers and sisters, in fact, comes from carrying that needless load. The heaviness of the natural man prevents us from doing our Christian calisthenics, so we end up too swollen with selfishness to pass through the narrow needle's eye. Anne Morrow Lindbergh wrote of the need to shed my Martha-like anxiety about many things, shedding pride, shedding hypocrisy in human relationships. What a rest that will be. The most exhausting thing in life I have discovered, she said, is being insincere. That is why so much of social life is exhausting. The 14th Sutra reads, practice becomes firmly grounded when well attended to for a long time, without break and in all earnestness. Well attended to refers to the regular and consistent effort that is required to progress. This involves a commitment to the practice, even in the face of difficulties or distractions. Patanjali also emphasizes the importance of respect and reverence in this sutra with the phrase, in all earnestness. This suggests that the practice of yoga should be approached with a sense of reverence and devotion, as one would approach a sacred and transformative process. Finally, the sutra also refers to the attainment of a firm and stable foundation in the practice. And this sutra brings to mind one of my favorite scriptures, Helaman 5.12. And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation. That when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. Yoga is a tool that can be used to improve your physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual bodies and aid in your progress toward putting off the natural man, but it's worth very little without the atonement of Jesus Christ. That brings us back to Alma 42, 14 through 24. And thus we see that all mankind were fallen, and they were in the grasp of justice, yea, the justice of God, which consigned them forever to be cut off from his presence. And now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore, God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy, to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God, and a merciful God also. Now, repentance could not come unto men except there were a punishment, which also was eternal as the life of the soul should be, affixed opposite to the plan of happiness, which was as eternal also as the life of the soul. Now, how could a man repent except he should sin? How could he sin if there was no law? How could there be a law save there was a punishment? Now, there was a punishment affixed, 
and a just law given, which brought remorse of conscience unto man. Now, if there was no law given, if a man murdered, he should die. Would he be afraid to die if he should murder? And also, if there was no law given against sin, men would not be afraid to sin. And if there was no law given, if men sinned, what could justice do, or mercy either? For they would have no claim upon the creature. But there is a law given, and a punishment affixed, and a repentance granted, which repentance mercy claimeth. Otherwise, justice claimeth the creature, and executeth the law, and the law inflicteth the punishment. If not so, the works of justice would be destroyed, and God would cease to be God. But God ceaseth not to be God, and mercy claimeth the penitent, and mercy cometh because of the atonement. And the atonement bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead, and the resurrection of the dead bringeth back men into the presence of God. And thus they are restored into his presence, to be judged according to their works, according to the law and justice. For behold, justice exerciseth all his demands, and also mercy claimeth all which is her own, and thus none but the truly penitent are saved. So, as a summary, the practice of yoga and non-attachment lead to the cessation of fluctuations of the mind and our focus on worldly distractions, but it takes consistent effort and practice to remain firmly established in one's own true nature putting off the natural man. In order to attain happiness in this life and in the world to come, we need to put off the natural man and build our foundation on the rock of our Redeemer. For today's practice, I would like to guide you in another visualization. So find a comfortable place where you won't be disturbed for a few minutes and sit down or lie down in a comfortable position. Now, close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Inhale deeply through your nose, filling your lungs with air. And exhale slowly through your mouth. Let go of any tension in your body and allow yourself to relax. Visualize yourself in a peaceful and serene environment that represents your spiritual destination. This could be a place in nature, a religious site, your home, or any place that holds special meaning to you. Imagine that you're surrounded by a warm and loving light that fills you with calm and positivity. As you focus on this environment, imagine that you are aligned with your spiritual goals. Picture yourself having reached your goals of daily prayer, scripture study, or whatever they may be, and the feelings that those efforts bring into your life each day. Picture yourself embodying the qualities that you value most, such as love, kindness, forgiveness, or compassion. See yourself as a spiritual being, radiating these qualities to others and the world around you, being a light in the darkness.
take a few deep breaths and feel the energy of your visualization filling your body and mind. Allow yourself to experience this feeling for a few moments, letting go of any doubts or distractions. Recognize the source of those doubts and stand firm in your resolve not to give in. When you're ready, slowly open your eyes and take a few more deep breaths. Bring the feeling of your visualization with you into your day, carrying that positivity and energy of your spiritual goals with you wherever you go. As we finish up today, I want to thank you for listening in and read from Mosiah 319. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga4lds at gmail.com.